Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And welcome to the Kent Johnson cast, the one and only <laughs> podcast from the Kenton, Espionation's blog dedicated to Kent Johnson. I'm, I'm your host, Agent Johnson. I'm joined by Agent Johnson, no relation. Also known as Eric Seeds. How's it going, man? Just like Saigon. <laughs> uh, I'm doing good. How are you? I am great. So... Yeah, again, we have to talk about uh, our favorite obsession here. Kent Johnson, now a gold medalist at the World Junior Championships, scored the tournament-winning goal in overtime on Saturday to beat Finland. Uh, he had nine points in seven games for the tournament. Uh, you know, did not lead his team or anything. Uh, he did lead the entire tournament in shots. He had 42 shots on goal over seven games, so uh, six shots per game is a pretty good average. Uh, was a big time play driver, big part of the power play. Uh, it was, you know, obviously no shortage of stars on Team Canada ever, uh, but he was certainly uh, one of the brighter stars on that team. How did you feel about uh, our hot prospects' performance in that tournament? I mean, it's what you'd want to see from him, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Drafted, drafted fifth overall, drafted top five, expected to be a high end talent, a playmaker and goal scorer, and someone who is fearless in the offensive zone and he showed all of that in the world juniors um honestly it's pretty much all you can ask for from a from a guy who's over or for who's representing his country in the in that tournament no no nits to pick i can't really say i watched much of it other than highlights but it was it's it's really good to see him show out and help lead canada to the uh gold medal in the world juniors it's about all we can really ask for yeah of course i I always get frustrated with fact you know the games are on nhl network but nhl network is not an easy channel to get it is on like higher cable packages than say nfl network or mlb network and that's really annoying i don't want to have to pay extra to get another tier just to get nhl network i think that's ridiculous it'd be better for the league better for the sport if they make it uh easier to get put it on one of the lower tiers comparable to the other uh what the other leagues are on um but yeah, I, I'm super stoked for him. I hope that he can carry this momentum through to the Traverse City tournament and training camp and preseason and all of that. 
it's nice to see him really step up when the games mattered most. You know, he had nine points in the tournament, but five were in three medal round games, including three in the semifinal win. Like when the lights were brightest and when they needed him most, he really, really performed and uh, lived up to his pedigree. That, that was really great to see. Yeah. And it, and it follows a, a pattern that he's had for the last year. I mean, he was starting to play well when they first started this tournament back in December. He played well at the Olympics. He played well at the World Championships in May. So, yeah, when he's playing for his country, he really steps it up, which is great to see. Now, what do you – did this change your view on what you expect from him at the start of the season in terms of where he will play or what role he will play? No, I still expect him to start the year in Cleveland. We just have too many wingers. Um especially too many wingers who are older and a little more seasoned either here or internationally in like say the KHL thinking specifically Marchenko coming over this year. So just because of that, I do expect Johnson to at least start the year in Cleveland, which would probably be good for him. Play some top line minutes down there, top six minutes, get some experience um, playing professional hockey, maybe continue to just bulk up learn the positions, learn how to play defense in the NHL or in the professional ranks. And then I would expect him to be first injury call up. All right. So, and do you see him starting out as a winger or at starting to learn center? I don't think, I personally don't think he will be an NHL center. So I would expect him to at least start at the wing unless something drastic happens. And they decide they either through injury or necessity, they decide to start teaching him center. I expect him to at least start on the wing. So I would agree that I see him in the short term as a winger um, just because it'll be the easiest way to get him acclimated. Um, and then he can always move over to the center at some point, as you said, if it's, if it's an emergency, if they need it. Um, I disagree about where he will start. I think that based on his talent level, that he can make the Blue Jackets roster if he continues this momentum, because I think he will be one of the uh, eight most talented wingers available. Um, I, and I and I don't think that that necessarily bumps Marchenko down. I think if it bumps anyone down, it would probably be Chinikov that would maybe start out in Cleveland. But I think there's room for both Marchenko and Johnson on this roster to start the season. I just don't foresee them getting rid of enough wingers to keep him around. That's just, I, I this team has a fascination with got to have big gritty guys in the bottom six. And I don't think they're going to keep Johnson around to play nine minutes a night. Well, well, yeah, I agree. I agree. If he's only playing nine minutes a night, that that would be a waste, but uh, I could also see him putting together the kind of preseason where they will not be able to send him down. You know, if he's able to play like he has been playing for, for team Canada, uh, I think it will be really, really difficult to send him down to Cleveland. And I don't think that, it's something that he should be sent there just because that's the thing to do or whatever. I think they need to put their 12 best forwards in the lineup. Um, and I think that he could benefit a lot from playing at the NHL level. I just don't know that he would have a lot to prove at the AHL level. I think he needs to face NHL competition to reach his highest level because I think he will improve based on what he's seeing in person from, I think he's got that kind of a sponge for hockey IQ. He just sees the game in a different way. And I think practicing against NHLers playing against NHLers, he will learn more from that than I think he would playing at the AHL level. 
I agree. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't. I just don't trust how the team has traditionally managed the roster to do that. I I f- completely foresee them keeping. You know, Matthew Olivier is going to stay up here. And, no, he's not. Yeah, I no. I, and, and I I would you know, I think you have to look at Johnson's comparables here as a top five pick. Pierre Luc Dubois didn't spend any time in Cleveland. Zach Wierenski didn't spend any time in Cleveland. We have too many Cole wingers though. This, this team has this team has too many wingers signed. Yeah, bad wingers. Yeah, you're, bad. You're not, but they love to sign bad players. Yeah, but they don't have to play him. They can send him down to Cleveland. I, and, and these are guys that we will not. We don't have to worry about them getting claimed on waivers either. So I would rather have Johnson playing up here over. Bemstrom or Foodie or Olivier or Gaunce or any guy like that. I mean, let, okay, let's let's just walk through here. Who what mm-hmm. what, what wingers are going to be on the roster opening night? Sure. Gaudreau, Line A. Yeah. Voracek, Eric Ro- Voracek, Nyquist, Eric Robinson is sure. five. Who am I missing here? Alexander Dan- Texier. Uh, Texier, yeah, I guess if he comes back, mm-hmm. I assume he's coming back. I don't. As far as we know, yeah. Then it's what Chinikov. Then it's what Chinikov, Danforth. Who am I missing? Ken Johnson. I'm blanking. I just blanked on the guy's name we're talking about here. Yeah. Olivier and maybe Carson Meyer. Yeah. See, I, I fat, think- those five for two spots. I would assume Ken. I mean, Ken Johnson is unquestionably probably the best of those five oh, players. Yeah. But it's what do they want? What role do they have for him here? Who's playing? Who? Who's playing third line on uh, out of the out of that group here? Are they gonna? Are you gonna keep Ken Johnson here to play third line minutes? I don't think so. Oh yeah, I think so. depending on how you use that third line. If it's a a line getting sheltered offensive minutes, then I think that's exactly the situation that is right for him. Um, and have him with a guy maybe like Jack Rosovic or something. I think that line could do really well as a another offensive line because I think if you have a line that has maybe Nyquist, Jenner, Voracek, that that's a line that could take some of the heavier kind of second line minutes the way we've seen in recent years of the Jackets have that kind of team that plays, you know, line that does a 200 foot game. But in terms of a line that just here, go out here, do offense, something like a Johnson, Rosovic, Marchenko, I think that can make a lot of sense and still be good for those wingers development. I hope you're right. I'd love to see it. I just, I don't trust it. Yeah. I mean, I understand skepticism, but I, I don't, in recent years, I don't see them, giving uh, those sort of mediocre and that's maybe even too, too negative, but the, the kind of journeyman Danforth type players, you don't see them getting minutes over truly high level prospects. They have, they're maybe getting, right. You just, you just see them getting contract extensions for no reason, (laughs) but you see them getting minutes over the, you know, mid round prospects that we like guys like like a Bemstrom that we maybe expect more out of but you don't see them getting the playing time over uh, a top 10 pick. You know, the top 10 picks, once they're ready to play, they are put in the lineup and they play. All right, so I'm going to pivot our World Junior chat here. Should they just buy Good Branson out immediately and play David Juracek? Because based on World Juniors, man, I'd take Juracek over Good Branson today. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's the reason why that is such a head scratcher of a signing because they had just drafted Juracek and he looked to be, you know, at most a year away. And then you have Corson Kuhlman's at Wisconsin, who is a year or two away, and you've got already on 
the roster as a right-handed D. Andrew Peak, Adam Boquist, Nick Blankenberg. So where does Good Branson fit there? Even if you see him as, oh, well, he's a placeholder for the next year or two, why do you give him a four-year contract? At two years, I'd be like, okay, I kind of see that. I could see him filling that role on the short I don't. Term. I don't like it, but I can, I can handle it. Yeah, but f- the four years, it just does not fit the timeline unless you really plan on moving out some of these players in that time frame. If you're really that low on Adam Boquist, you know, even. But you signed it. They signed just, just signed it. You just signed it with a three year extension. I, it, yeah. yeah. <sighs> it, it remains my biggest nitpick. I mean, because it's, it's the, it's the black mark on an otherwise very good off season. Like, yeah. If you, if you told me Ken Johnson's going to have this world world juniors, you're going to draft David Yurichek and he's going to have an outstanding world juniors mm-hmm. and look like he could fight for a roster spot in training camp this year. Then you've got uh, Matejchuk, who they just who is going to be something someday, who's another top ten pick. You've got uh, as you mentioned, Kuhlman's on the way. Then you bring in Johnny Goudreau. Like that's a that's a stellar offseason, but for this one black eye that's going to hamstring your cap. Yeah, and the, the reason that you sign a guy like Branson is allegedly for his physical play, but the part of Yurchek's game that really stood out at juniors was how physical he was. I mean, he was a dominant physical presence by all accounts. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking for a big physical right-handed shot defenseman, Yurchek is that guy. You don't it's it's redundant to bring in Goodbranson if Yurchek's ready. Now there are still maybe some nits to pick in your checks game and he could maybe benefit from some time elsewhere, whether it's maybe moving him to Liga in Finland and have him play there for a year uh, or whether you bring him to Cleveland. I don't know. Uh, But this is a, or like, even if you bring him here and he plays third pairing minutes this year, seasoning him for next year, when this team is ostensibly ready to take the next step forward with, you know, some of these guys really coming into their own in a second year of Johnny Gaudreau seasoning and second year of Kent or of Cole Sillinger seasoning next year is supposed to be the year this team really takes a leap forward. And yeah. it'd be really nice to have your check getting some nice minutes, mm-hmm. either like third pairing defense minutes, but yeah. And I, and I think, I think the team will, will play those guys if they're ready. And if they are the best option, it's just a matter of, well, then you have to, Park good Branson down in Cleveland, or you have to spend an asset to trade him, or yeah, you have to buy him out at some point. And it, it's just it's just a complete cell phone. One more bit of jackets news from this week. Uh, it was just announced today. The uh, Ohio State men's hockey team released their schedule, and they will be playing an outdoor game this season. It will be up in Cleveland on February eighteenth at the Factory of Sadness, uh, First Energy Stadium. Uh, they'll be playing the University of Michigan up there. Obviously, we've been hoping that they'd be playing an outdoor game uh, at the Shoe here in Columbus. That is not to be yet, but outdoor hockey in Ohio this year, uh, I'm excited about that. Honestly, I think I'm maybe going to look into going up to that. That sounds like a fun time, even though I have been in Cleveland uh, around that weekend in mid-February, and the weather is usually god-awful. But still, this sounds like a fun experience. What do you think? But for the fact that I'm going to Denver like 10 days later, I would love to do it. Um, but we just booked our flights and our Airbnb for Denver like today. Yeah. So 
Um, but it sounds awesome. It's going to be a really great experience. Um, hopefully a lot of Jackets fans show up and show out. Um, a lot of Ohio State fans show up and show out. Be a nice representative showcase that, yes, we will support outdoor hockey in Ohio. Please give us a game. Just show us I regret Ohio- that I cannot attend, but I hope that everyone else who can does and prove to the NHL that, yes, Columbus and Detroit should have an outdoor hockey game in either the Shoe or the Big House. Yeah. And show that yeah, Toledo Ohio, for all I care that Ohio is a hockey state, you know, mm-hmm. that, yeah, the fans will come out for this college game outside in Cleveland, you know, that Jack's fans will travel to Finland to see the team play and hopefully we'll get some, you know, even, yeah, give us a, an appearance in an outdoor game as a road team first, if, if that's what it takes. And then from that, we can get a home game in a few years if, you know, but yeah, hopefully this is uh, another step in that. All right, and when we come back, we will talk about the best wingers in the league right now. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs who have big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back. The NHL Network on Sunday had a special where they ranked the top 20 wings in the NHL right now. And Seeds, I know that you have thoughts about this list. But first, the uh, one Blue Jacket represented on the list, Johnny Goudreau. He is ranked number seven. Uh, Do you think this is too high, too low, or just right? I think it's a shade too low. I'd have probably had him fifth on the list, maybe fourth, depending. I mean, he just finished. He just finished fourth in MVP voting last year. Mm-hmm. Was top five in the league in scoring, if I remember right. Um, I yeah. believe tied and, four. Yeah, and he was uh, among just wingers. He and Jonathan Huberto were tied for the lead with 115 points each. The only forward with more points was Connor McDavid with 123. And Huberto came in at fifth. I would honest. I would have Goudreau ranked ahead of Huberto. First of all, I feel like Goudreau has had more seasons of this level, whereas Huberto, it's been more of a later thing that he has come up to that level. Um, more of Goudreau's points were at five on five. Goudreau is Goudreau's more of a two hundred foot player. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, for for example, here now you know plus minus. I don't love that, but 
same number of points. Goudreau was a plus 64 and Huberto was a plus 35. Um, and I think Goudreau is a guy who is more of the play driver for his team, whereas Huberto um, has benefited a lot from who his line mates are. Um, so I think I, I would have had Goudreau ahead of Huberto, definitely. Uh, the others on the list ahead of Goudreau, for the record, Ovechkin, Kucherov, Kaprizov, Marner, Huberto, Rantanen. Uh, and Goudreau was just ahead of Artemi Panarin, Brad Marchand, and Patrick Kane, to name a few, uh, that were there in the, to round out the top 10. Uh, would you agree that he's better than those three guys? Than uh, Marchand, Kane, Pasternak. Yes, I, I would agree that Goudreau is better than those three guys. Um, you can make an argument for Pasternak, but I think he's probably the second best winger on his own line. I think Marchand is better. But I think I think he is... Okay, so this is where I'm, I'm just going to... I'm just going to write my list down right now, just All for right. the record. Um, I've got Kaprizov number one. What he's done through his two years in the league is insane right now. Um, sure. I think he is very clearly the best winger in the league, and I don't really think it's much of an argument. I have, I'd have Kucherov second, former yep. MVP, um, extraordinarily talented player. I've probably got... Marner third. I, he's he might some might call him a byproduct of Austin Matthews, but what he does for that Leafs roster, for what he does, is he is an incredible playmaker. He Austin Matthews wouldn't be where he is without playing with Mitch Marner. Mitch Marner yes. makes his life so much easier. So I have a Mitch Marner take. Okay. Um, as I was looking at this list here, and I agree that yeah, four feels about right for him where he is on this list. I think Mitch Marner is the U two of wings. Hear me out. This is, I'm, I'm interested because of, I'm interested because I hate U two. So and similar to U two in that I think he was overrated for a while, and was and for so long that he is now underrated because people ripped on him because they thought he was overrated, and then that oh, I like this. I like this take. Bad, but he actually is good. And, um, so yeah, that, that is, that is the basis of that. Uh, I like this take. Legit, I like that take. Legitimately good, got overplayed and you two got overplayed for a while and Marner got overpaid with his contract. But if you t- set that aside and look what they've actually done and the body of work, you're just like, oh wow. Yeah. This is something that is actually really good and does stand up. Mitch, Mitch Marner for reference last year played 72 games, had, 68 points at even strength, 97 overall. Uh, scored five game winners, played 20, 21 minutes a night. That's a pretty solid season. Yeah. Finished uh, as a finished as a first season All Star. Finished 16th in Selkie voting. So that's 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 not nothing. Yeah, he's you know he's good, responsible away from the puck. He's a big time play driver. He's not necessarily the goal scorer that some of these other guys are, but he's a big time play driver. He makes his line mates mm-hmm. better for sure. Mm-hmm. I guess of guys ranked ahead of Goudreau, I would certainly have him ahead of Rantanen and Huberdo. Okay. And I think I would probably have him ahead of Ovechkin as well. At this, okay. this stage, this stage of his career, Alex Ovechkin, I realize my I realize Ovechkin scored 50 goals last year, but my big beef with this list is Ovechkin being number one. That's that's yeah. insane to me at this at this stage of his career. Yeah, especially for calling it right now, because uh, yeah, he's you know 
going to be what 37 here coming up. Um, now I putting up 90 plus points at age 36 is it's insane. insane. That's, that's, that's nonsense. Uh, and it's a reminder that, you know, not only is he still among the best players in the game today, that he is on the short list of best hockey players of all time. I mean, that's, he's certainly top 10, if not top five. Yeah. I mean, for my money, he is the greatest goal scorer in NHL history because he, he has a legitimate chance to break Wayne Gretzky's record and he's doing it in the dead puck era that has been going on since the late ni- the mid to late nineties. And, and, and look at, look at the years too, that were lost to lockouts and COVID. And look how much better goaltending is and how much better goaltending is now. What he's doing, putting the puck in the net is nothing short of unbelievable, Mm -hmm. but that's all he does is put the puck in the net. If you're going to do one thing in hockey, you're doing, he's doing the one thing you need to do. Yeah. And if you're, if you're putting up 50 goals, I think I can take a pass on everything else because that's, uh, and he, he scores from areas at a higher rate than other people do, which I think some of the models, don't take into account some of the advanced stats models. So you you can't cool with 50 goals. Right. And what's, what's crazy is he scores from the one plate. Now I'm not saying I would put him 15th or whatever, but Mm -hmm. maybe rank him sixth, but I also don't trust that last season is replicable. Am I like, it's, he is to me in hockey what LeBron is in basketball because he just yes. defy he's just defying the aging curve. Like I have been waiting for LeBron or and Ovechkin mm. to fall off for three four years, and they just continue to go out and be like, "Screw you!" Like Father Time doesn't exist. It's it's all it's unbelievable, but eventually it's going to catch up to him. Like I have to believe that. Like otherwise, then again, I've been saying that about Tom Brady for a decade too. Well, and I think both guys have um, their games have become more single faceted, mm-hmm. you know, like LeBron at his prime was fantastic defensively, but that's something he really doesn't put the effort into now because it's just not the role that he needs to play. And again, Ovechkin had been offense only as a young guy, and then he developed. A more he was an incredibly physical game, player. And, and that's what helped the Caps get over the hump and finally win the cup. Um, but now at this point in his career, you know, contributing to the team isn't as important as go out there and pursue Gretzky's record because that's what mm-hmm. will bring in the eyeballs to Caps games for the foreseeable mm-hmm. future. Do you think so? Like, so if we look at the bottom of this list mm-hmm. here, um, so you you let you read through Patrick Kane, David Pasternak, twelve through twenty were Matt Kachuk, Kyle Connor, Jake Gensel, which seems absurdly high. Um, Ooh, Jason Robertson. No, 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 no. Oh, I, I, I think very highly of Jake Gensel as, as a, as a winger. He's dude, dude's put up incredible numbers over his career. He's been really consistent. I'm, I'm he right. definitely deserves to be in the top 20. Jason Robertson seems low. I love that. He's on the list. I love he, that. He's he, on the list. Yeah. Had a tremendous season for sure. Uh, Chris Kreider, Alex DeBrinkett, Gabe Landeskog, Phil Forsberg, Mark Stone. Given injury history, I'm not sure I'd have Mark Stone there. Yeah, that that feels a bit reputational, uh, for sure. Um, and, and if we're grading guys on reputation, then Patrick Kane arguably should be higher. Because mm-hmm. he has career achievements that could stack up to a lot of what Ovechkin has done. So, you know, if you're going by all career to this point, then you could put Kane higher. If you're going by right now, then, then yeah, Mark Stone probably shouldn't be on it. Chris Kreider... Again, this is a guy. He had a tremendous season. He had but fifty had a, goals such, last year. Such a fluke that it would, that he scored that many. 
Um, so yeah, I don't know that I would put him in the top 20. Uh, one guy that I would, would have put on here that was not on here. Should Kevin Fiala be on the list? Because he also put up, uh, let me see here, 85 points in 82 games. So I think, you know, that was 20th among forwards. So I think he should probably be on this list at this point, right? How do you feel about Andrei Svechnikov? So that was another one. I, I looked at his numbers. Now, I, you know, I shouldn't scoff at 69 points. Nice. Nice. But, um, I can understand not putting him on there. I think that's, there may be some recency bias because he was so bad in the postseason. So I think that might be what's holding him back. And maybe some concerns about his inability to finish when it counts. Fair. Um, for Fiala, he had an, he had an outstanding year last year. Um, mm-hmm. 85 points in 82 games. Um, I think the reason he's not there is because he's never had, he's only had one season over 50 before he's, uh, he's had 54, he had 54 points in 1920 and his high, highest career points output other than that was 48 and 17, 18. So I don't think he's done it consistently enough for them, yeah. but I just, I would, I'd be interested to see how they rank this. Cause I'd want to, I wonder if Fiala was like 21st. Sure, because that's that feels about like where he'd be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's let's go back to what was your beef with Jake Gensel? Because he he put up forty goals, eighty four points, um, and that's been kind of a consistent thing through his career for him to score uh, at that that sort of level. Um, my beef with Jake Gensel is any wing who plays with Sidney Crosby puts up sixty five, seventy points a year, regardless of your, what your name is. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Gensel's a guy who has also managed to produce even when Crosby hasn't been playing. Like, okay, I, I also hate I also hate the Penguins and refuse to give them any credit whatsoever. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair. Um, but I was just looking up today, um, Gensel's. He's basically numbers. a point of game guy, near nearly. So yeah, Gensel in his first two seasons in the league. Now his rookie year was the second of their back to back cups but he had 42 points in the playoffs in his first two seasons. That is insane. That includes 21 points in 25 games in his rookie season. Uh, in his, so his first playoff series was that series against Columbus in which he had six points in five games, including <laughs> game winners, <laughs> which, which, yeah, I mean, I resent him for that, but like, holy crap, he's good. Yeah. That, he, I, I think this is my Pittsburgh bias shining through that I just mm-hmm. don't, don't want to give them credit for drafting and developing players well because I cannot stand that organization and how good they are and how much I wish we had their success. But Gensel so probably deserves Gensel deserves to be on this list. He's nearly a point a game player for his career. I just, yeah, and I, you just hate that they keep producing the Mark Donks as well. But I, I exactly, think, I think he is better than a Mark Donk. I think he's better than a Mark Donk, but... All right, any, any other final thoughts? No really final thoughts, other than I did finally pick up my Johnny Gaudreau jersey. It was ready. It was only a six-week delay, so that is washed and ready to go for opening night. Awesome. Let's just hope it brings better luck than some other jerseys that you and I have owned in the past. God willing. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for us this week. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, go to jacketscanon.com. 
You can also follow The Canon on Facebook and on Twitter at CBJ Canon. If you like this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Perley and the Howlin' Moons. Go to AngelaPerley.com for more music and show dates. does not like Andre Svechnikov. Rory hates Andre Svechnikov. <laughs> I'm going to have to text Clort after this and be like, hey, we started talking about Svechnikov and Petey's dogwood ballistic. All right, this isn't going in the episode, but I'm no, going to save a clip of this for sure. Oh my god. <laughs> no, this should be the outtakes after the... Uh... Yeah, part, part of this might be, yeah. <laughs>